Security measures remain in place in Moscow, a day after a short-lived rebellion posed the greatest challenge yet to President Putin's authority. In the past few hours, the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said real cracks in Mr. Putin's authority had been exposed. Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner mercenary group, pictured here leaving the Russian city of Rostov-on-Don, is reportedly going into exile in Belarus after abandoning his advance on Moscow. And with Wagner forces firing their guns into the sky on Saturday evening and cheers from the watching public, his troops also departed the city just hours after they controlled a military building with further Wagner troops moving towards Moscow. They were traveling north on the M4 motorway, passing the city of Voronezh, and they were spotted as far north as Lipetsk, which is around 300 miles south of Moscow. Then, in the early evening, Prigozhin announced that he had agreed to stop the advance. Tensions had been building between Mr. Prigozhin and Russia's military leadership for some time over their approach to the war in Ukraine. Our security correspondent, Gordon Carrera, reports. The strange end of a mutiny. Forces from the Wagner mercenary group left Rostov last night watched by crowds after a chaotic and extraordinary day. Some cheered Wagner's leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, as he was driven away, reaching out to shake his hand. <laughs> Yesterday morning, the military headquarters in the city had been seized by forces loyal to Prigozhin, without firing a shot. Once a close ally of Putin, Prigozhin had fallen out with Russia's military leadership, claiming they'd used his mercenaries as cannon fodder in Ukraine. And so he began to head towards Moscow. As the Wagner convoy began the long drive to the capital, there were explosions and reports of helicopters shot down. But a deal brokered by the president of neighbouring Belarus, an ally of Putin, halted Prigozhin's advance late in the day before significant bloodshed. But the question is, what now? Prigozhin's exact whereabouts are unknown, but he's due to go into exile in Belarus. His forces, said to be 25,000 strong, are supposed to be absorbed into the regular Russian military. But it's not yet clear how or with what effect on the war in Ukraine. And in Moscow, the events could weaken Vladimir Putin's grip on power. Yesterday, he told the Russian people those behind the mutiny would pay before then doing a deal, raising difficult questions, as the widow of one of Putin's critics told the BBC. Prigozhin is not a hero, mm. and he's a criminal, and he committed a lot of bad things in Ukraine, and you can't trust to this person. And this was all, again, a mess in Russia, but was a very special message. Putin is not a person who controls anything in Russia. Putin has long played off different factions against each other. His top general and defence minister, seen here, were both the target of Prigozhin's anger. But this is now getting harder for him. For the Russian people, the events will also have come as a shock, undermining the Kremlin's attempts to control the flow of information. The reception given to departing Wagner forces last night in Rostov shows some still regard them as heroes. Their mutiny may be over but the shockwaves it's left behind are just beginning. Gordon Carrera, BBC News.
Well, the deal to end the rebellion followed negotiations between Prigozhin and the Belarus leader, Alexander Lukashenko. Hanna Lubakova is a Belarusian journalist and non-resident fellow at the Atlantic Council, and she told us that the Kremlin had little choice but to involve Mr. Lukashenko. I think that um, Lukashenko might have been only used by the Kremlin um, in this sort of supportive role, because what were the alternatives for Putin? To kill Prigozhin, I think it would have been just too harsh. So he suddenly remembered that he has a very close ally, Lukashenko, and he has Belarus as his backyard, as Russia's backyard. This is how they treat uh, the country. And I think that was a sort of saving face mode for both Prigozhin and uh, Putin in this situation, to send Prigozhin to Belarus. We don't know the exact details. We don't know the timeline of this negotiations let's put it this way so so we don't know what's going to what effects and what the outcome is going to be out of this uh conversations negotiations however i think it shows that lukashenko is a puppet of putin i don't think it was a separate independent game from his side and secondly again that he uses belarus putin uses belarus as a backyard so let's take a look at what's actually happened over the past couple of days. Now, Yevgeny Prigozhin is the leader of the mercenary Wagner Group. He called on Friday for an armed rebellion, accusing the army of hitting or aiming his troops with a missile strike. On Saturday, he then declared that 25,000 of his troops had crossed the border from Ukraine. He seized Rostov-on-Don, asking to see the Minister of Defense, Shoigu and the Army Chief of Staff, Gerasimov. The Russian President Vladimir Putin denounced this action as a criminal adventure and warned of punishments in a TV address. Now, over the course of the day, Wagner forces started to make progress towards Moscow, seizing military facilities in Voronezh. Hours later, Prigozhin said that he had agreed to stop the movement of his troops, turning them around from their route to Moscow. Well, Belarus revealed that its leader, Alexander Lukashenko, had been holding talks with Mr. Prigozhin and Mr. Putin. Russian state media reported that Mr. Prigozhin is leaving for Belarus and criminal charges against him and his troops would be dropped. Well, as events developed inside Russia, the BBC's Verify team worked to sift through videos on social media to track the convoy of Wagner vehicles. They're assessing the aftermath. Our Europe correspondent Nick Beek has been working with the team and is in the BBC Verify hub with more. Thank you very much. Yes, what exactly happened yesterday? And just how much fighting was there between the Wagner mercenaries who said they were going all the way to Moscow and the regular Russian army? Well, here at BBC Verify, we've spent the past 24 hours looking at some of the video that's emerged and have been trying to make sense of all of it. Let me show you one video in particular. Now, this shows what is believed to be a Russian helicopter by a main road here, and you can see that it opens fire on what is believed to be a Wagner target. We don't know that for sure, but you can see just here the explosion and the aftermath of it. The video itself we have managed to verify. And you can see the helicopter just wheeling away there. There is another video too which we've managed to verify. And that we believe is from the same spot, the M4 motorway. You can see someone filming out the window. There's the sign, the road sign. And just here, the, the burnt out wreckage 
of the strike. Hard to work out what exactly that was, but certainly these two things taken together give us more information about what happened. Let me just show you what we did using Google Street View. You can see quite distinctive, isn't it, that residential block there with the yellows and the blues. That matches the first video we saw there, so that helped us. Also, there were the pylons from this particular location which we matched as well. Where was all of this happening? Well, I can show you. It was in Voronezh, which is basically halfway between Rostov, where the, the Wagner mercenaries set off, and Moscow, where they said they wanted to get to. If we just go into a bit more detail, there were other things happening in that city. This is the aftermath of a big fire, a big explosion at a fuel depot. And in terms of verifying this material, it was made a lot easier. Look at that. You've got the name of the company here. So that obviously gave us something to go on straight away. So you've got the two different incidents happening in this city, home to about a million people. And we can see that the oil depot was further north in the city. This is from another angle, the aftermath of the blast. You can see this was footage that was taken from a dash cam, so someone again who was driving. Going back to our map, just further north of Voronezh, there was reports of military vehicles being on the motorway. And look at this video here. This, again, we have verified, and it shows, you can see, just at this moment, a tank and people on board. And this is something we were able to geolocate and it gives you an idea of, of the movement. But there are still questions about the size of the convoy and its speed as well. So if we look at where we are now, I think these are elements that we've managed to verify. We can say with certainty they are accurate, but they are fragments within a much wider, confused picture. And that was Nick Beak there. Well, Alicia Carnes is a Conservative uh, MP and chair of the British Foreign Affairs Committee. And she said that events over the past 24 hours are evidence of wider fractures in Putin's administration. My view is that this isn't over as yet. Whilst the public uh, threat between Prigozhin and Putin has essentially hesitated, I think we're now at a sub-threshold. The conflict will not end between them. I think there's a lot we have learnt, but as I said, there's more to go. So first of all, we've learnt that Russian domestic internal security provisions are not as effective as we thought they might be, and I guess as Putin thought they were. Um, we have learned that the fractures within that security infrastructure within Russia is incredibly uh, splintered. But we've also learned that Putin has now been dealt what is a mortal blow, which is the fact that he has had a social contract with the people of Russia for the whole of his time as president prime minister, where he promised that in the return for him being the strong man um, and for protect, providing security and stability to Russia, people had to give up their individual freedoms and rights and essentially be willing to live in autocracy. That has now been shattered because it's been proven that Putin cannot provide that level of support to the Russian people. He cannot provide that stability. Well, as we've been hearing, America's most senior diplomat, Antony Blinken, has been speaking following yesterday's events in Russia, saying that the revolt exposed real cracks in President Putin's authority. This is, first of all, an internal matter for Russia. What we've seen is this, though. Um, We've seen this aggression against Ukraine uh, become a strategic failure across the board. Russia is weaker economically, militarily. It's standing around the world has plummeted. It's managed to get Europeans off of Russian energy. It's managed to unite uh, and strengthen NATO with, with new members and a stronger alliance. It's managed to uh, alienate uh, from Russia and unite together Ukraine in ways that it, it's never been before. This is just an added uh, chapter to a very, very bad book that uh, Putin has written for Russia. 
Uh, but what's so uh, striking about it is it's internal. The fact that you have from within uh, someone directly questioning Putin's authority, directly questioning the premises that, uh, upon which he launched this aggression uh, against Ukraine, that in and of itself is um, something very, uh, very powerful. It adds cracks um, where those go, when they get there, too soon to say. Uh, but it clearly raises new questions that Putin has to deal with. Okay, let's cross live to our North America correspondent, David Willis, who is in Washington for us. Hello there to you, David. So what else did uh, Secretary of State Blinken have to say? Well, of course, uh, Anthony Blinken has been making the rounds of the Sunday talk shows this morning, uh, basically delivering the administration, the Biden administration's first comments on the unfolding crisis in Russia. And he made the point that there was a lot that the administration still didn't know. For example, the whereabouts of Vladimir Putin, uh, the whereabouts of Mr. Prokoshin, and also the future of those Wagner fighters, whether they would be returning to Ukraine. He said it was too early to speculate on the impact of the revolt or the crisis there, either on the Kremlin or on the war in Ukraine. He said uh, being distracted by the revolt uh, created an additional advantage for Ukraine. And he said, as you heard there, that he believed it had exposed real cracks in Vladimir Putin's leadership. And he also made the point that 16 months ago, Russian forces were threatening to take over the whole of Ukraine. Yet here they were now having to defend Moscow against mercenaries of its own making. But uh, I think uh, the point to take away from all this is that the United States is also very keen not to be seen, Laquessa, to inflame the situation, to guard against accusations from the Kremlin and its supporters that it is meddling in this crisis. Hence, we uh, heard the Secretary of State choosing his words very carefully on those talk shows this morning. Um, David, I was looking to some of the, the U.S. media um, and there, there have been reports that the U.S. had suspected that Mr. Prigozhin was preparing to take military action against Russia. So you, you do think that with that level of, I assume, deep intelligence, they also would have been on alert to bolster, to support Ukraine, to take advantage of the ensuing chaos. I think what we can take away from all this, Laquessa, is that the United States and its allies have been monitoring this extremely carefully. There was a meeting of the National Security Council yesterday before President Biden left for the presidential retreat, Camp David. That uh, national security team involves the U.S. Defense Secretary, involves the head of the CIA, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. These are the top people in the administration. Administration. Anthony Blinken, for his part, also briefed G7 allies and the EU on what was uh, going on in Russia. So it may well be that they know a lot more than they're actually making plain. But they are, no question about this, monitoring events in Russia, the unfolding events, very carefully indeed. David, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.